give a great big Cincinnati welcome today to Pastor David Bryan. Y'all be looking good. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank Him. Somebody shout to the Lord. What a wonder. What a privilege. Thank you, Pastor Sizemore, my friend, and, and to his family. Give honor to them and thank the Lord for our friendship and the many times that we have worked and served and laughed and cried and everything together. How wonderful that has been. And give honor also to my friend, uh, Pastor Urshan, his wife and family, and all the ministry team members. So grateful for you. God just knows what he's doing. And uh, it's amazing. So, so we're family. And it's great to be home with the family. It's so wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. Thank God for my wife and, and kids uh, that we get to be together for an event, an opportunity like this. When you are, and all y'all ladies could definitely uh, agree, when you're trying to follow a feller anywhere, it's a mess. But w when you're in the ministry, you're hearing voices but seeing no people, Right? And uh, the Lord has gifted me with a great wife that we have walked together and followed together into wonderful ministry opportunities. And it's so awesome to be sharing in that together today. Love you dearly. I have a word from the Lord. And uh, I'm excited about it. <clears throat> What the Lord is doing here, has done here, uh, is nothing short of modern-day miraculous. We know that for two reasons. One, because these are things only God can do. And number two, and probably equally as importantly as uh, emotional characters and creatures that we are, and we know that we are, but we feel uncomfortable. When we feel uncomfortable, we're pretty sure that we're walking into divine. When we feel that we are at a loss of control, and this is something that we could not orchestrate, we're probably walking in divine, walking into a season that God has reserved for this moment. And there were things that he said, I was praying about this the other day, he said, oh, I want to do that for a long time. I was just waiting on the people. Okay, I feel like we're closer to ready now. I want to turn your attention to the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> How excellent it is to see all these pretty faces. Even that one. Bless his heart. <laughs> First Samuel. Chapter 16, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him over Israel? Fill your horn, your vessel with oil, and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided, reserved, 
a king among his sons. Samuel says, argues, in carnality, if I go, Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. But the Lord says, take a heifer, take a sacrifice with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse and his house to the sacrifice and I will show you at that altar who to anoint and to name. So Samuel did as the Lord said, went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, there was a shaking among the political realm. And they asked, did you come peaceably? He says, I have a sacrifice to the Lord. Moving down to verse uh, number 7, the Lord says to Samuel as he enters the house, let me back up just a moment. As he passes the altar and the sacrifice, he comes into the house, and Jesse brings his sons, sends notice to his sons. They gather together from different lives and situations. And come there before Samuel. And it was that when they came, Samuel begins to look at them, interview them intently. Samuel initially says, the first guy out of the gate, surely this must be the one. This is probably the one I've come for. And then lets the next one pass. Oh, wait, that must be the one. And several other sons pass. And finally, the Lord interrupts Samuel and says, hey, let's not get focused on what's going on on the outside. For I'm looking at beyond the facade what's going on inside. As the scriptures continue, the Lord convinces Samuel he has chosen none of these. Samuel finishes its interview process. Pardon the paraphrase, but I want to move through this. He finishes the interview process, as it were. Seven sons passed, and Samuel has a check in his spirit. We've been through some great things. I've met some great people. These are great gifts and great opportunities, but is there anyone else that I'm missing? And Jesse says, well, I have one more son. He's in the fields tending the sheep. Just a boy. Samuel says, go get him. For we will not rest until he comes. Wait, Samuel, I thought it was just you. Oh, it's not just I. I'm speaking in kingdom terms now. God is not settled until you go get the boy in the field. I want to preach for just a moment a word that the Lord has given me. The boy in the field. Father, these are great people. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. These are divine moments reserved just for us. We thank you for the privilege of attending them. I'm asking, Lord, that you would overwhelm us today. I thank you, Lord, that you would touch your servant, that your voice would be clear in this house over the next few moments, that your anointing, that the power of your presence would prevail, and that, God, you would launch this body of people, believers, forward into your will from today moving forward. We thank you for the miracles. We thank you for what you've done over the last several months, over the last several years. God, we thank you for what we're about to see. We give you praise and glory. And the church shouted, Amen. Will you clap your hands to the Lord and let's let hell know the church is more alive than it ever has been. boy in the field 
sit down if you like to. The story of Samuel, if you read this, is quite an interesting one of itself from his Miraculous birth through his time in the temple with the priest Eli from learning the voice of God, learning to choose the king Saul over Israel. And of course his journey to the house of Jesse as it's recorded. An amazing life, but it wasn't about Samuel. It was about the boy in the field. Everything that Samuel had been through, it was not about Samuel. It was about the boy in the field because he would change Israel. He would change the divine lineage. He would change the world, the boy in the field. Now Jesse had a great house. He had qualified sons, dignified sons. And as we read in the text and the things that are taken not only from that text but understood through history, Jesse's sons presented to Samuel that day were quite qualified. But it wasn't about Jesse And it wasn't about those boys. It was about the boy in the field. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about us. It's about something beyond us. It's about something beyond what we've been able to comprehend or work for. And we have worked and seen God do wonderful things. We're in a house of healing here. The Lord has used this house to heal people and ministries and churches and families. And God has raised up wonderful people to sustain his work in this house. Because God said, I want to save the house. Not because of the house. And not just because of the faithful people. But there's a boy in the field somewhere. There's something beyond this that divine is reaching towards. And so Samuel... Bowing the anointing that will make a king. Walks into the house of Jesse. And that anointing gathers in several sons. With several different identities and credentials. And personas and personalities. And as they come and gather together from different walks of life if you please. They come to be examined. To be studied. To be proven by Samuel. You will notice something when it's concerning God's work throughout Scripture and throughout history and Scripture. All credentials are secondary. God is not interested in what we've done or what we can afford or who we are and what our talents are. God is interested in something beyond that. And when you look at the unfolding drama of God's redemption through history, it recurrently appears that God is more impressed with the boy In the field and things going on in the field. See in the realm of biblical study. The theme. It's a recurrent theme. Fields. Everyone say fields. They're of great interest to God. From the time that Cain and Abel walked through his garden. It was Abel that works the fields and shepherds the flocks of God. It was Ezekiel's vision in chapter 37 of his writing where Ezekiel saw bones rising out of what once was a fruitful field. It was that man Amos who was called out from a field that God spoke to. God is interested in the field, so interested in fact that on the night that he became flesh and walked among us that he said, I want the angels to take your choir and I want you to go out amongst the shepherds first and I want you to sing in the fields because I want people to start to get to recognize if you ever want to see me work if you ever want to see the supernatural you better get out into the field and don't get caught up at the house oh I wish I could get somebody to say amen 
Harold my birth and don't do it on CNN and don't put it on the front page and don't plaster it on social media but give me some angels out in the field that's where I am that's where I'm working supernatural activity is quite frequently reserved for those who are working in the fields Amos, you want a prophecy? Go to the field. Moses, you want to see a burning bush? Go to the back acres of your father-in-law's house. Are y'all hearing me yet? This is about a boy in the field. This is about where God is working. God, when he came among us and sent the angel, wasn't, it wasn't focused on the mountains. He wasn't focused on the beaches. He said, but I'll get to the field. Matter of fact, when Jesus was talking and declaring his kingdom, he was quoted as saying, behold the fields. Are you you hearing me? It's of interest to God. In another place, he talks about buying the field. It is of divine interest to him. Jesse feels comfort at his home. His sons are comforted in their own uh, personas and comfort zones, identities. And so uh, in their comfort and in their identity and in all of their Social gathering and abilities. They pass before them and you can imagine what that looks like. But gentlemen, it's not about you. It's about a boy in the field. <laughs> oh, we can miss a lot getting caught up in the junk of this life. We've done some great things, but God said, oh, it ain't nothing compared to what I'm fixing to do. Now, y'all thought I came here to preach. They thought, well, we'll have him back. It'd be the kind thing to do. I ain't here to preach. I'm here to prophesy, okay? I'm here to tell you. I don't just have subject matter. I have subject that matters. Because God said, I need you to release this word in this house so I could set this corporate people who I have brought from different situations and finally got them into a place so that they can start seeing beyond themselves into what I'm getting ready to do. <laughs> oh, Samuel and all of his anointing. And you can see these seven sons as they pass before them. Jesse tells the first son, Elib, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Going in, going into my interview, walks in, starts talking to the prophet Samuel, thinking, oh, I got this. I got this, man. Oh, I've done such such fundraisers. I have preached such and such conventions. My name has been on several, several signs across this country. And I have this, and God has used me to do that ever so humbly. But nonetheless, God has used me to do this, and God has used me to do that. And, oh, I've done this fundraiser and that, and I have sacrificed hours of my time all as a humble servant under the Lord. And God whispers in Samuel's ears, that's great, Bubba, but this ain't it. And you can see the next one. He's, he's in the facility fixing his hair. He's going to come out like the next cover of GQ magazine. And so he comes walking out. And he's with all of his personality and all of his one. He starts presenting himself to Samuel. Man, I've been around the block. And look, I ain't impressed by nobody. He has his own personality. Whatever having Samuel says, mm, I'm sorry. I'm glad what you got is what you got, but it ain't it. Now, now, wait a minute here, okay? If you want to get involved with the work of God 
at some point along your journey, you will dissolve and he will manifest. Ask John Baptist, who is quoted as saying, he must increase, therefore I must decrease. Why is there a must? Because it is a divine law. There cannot be two great individuals in existence at the same moment. It's got to be about him. Seven sons representing seven seasons, seven personality complexes, seven situations. Seven is an interesting number to God. It's God's number of process and completion of process. So we could say at the passing, when the last son comes, well, hey, even according to God, that's it. Perfect. We'll choose that one. But God says, hey, hey, wait a minute. I'm in control here. We, we could say and thank God for what he has done in this house over the last several years. Thank God for what he's doing. Tree of life, the campus. Thank God we could say what he has done here is enough. Because it's been wonderful. We could say that what God has done with the new campus at Tree of Life is enough. Because it's wonderful. But if it is not enough for Him, then there must be something else. Seven seasons of time. Throughout regional church history, going back better than 90-something years, seven seasons of time through which the local church, the regional church, and even more personally this house has been through depression, has been through doctrinal ruin, has been through fear and potential financial ruin, and the scattering of saints all over the region. Seven seasons. And God said there was good things in each of those seasons. There was great things in each. We could have stopped at any time and said, this is what God wants to do in Cincinnati. We could have stopped at any moment and said, this is what God wants to do in this house. But God God speaks to Samuel who represents kings beyond what we can see. He represents a coming kingdom. And he said, wait a minute, we can't stop there. There's a son, there's a little boy in the field out there. There's something beyond what we're seeing. Something beyond. So God says, I'm going to let him go through these seasons. I'm going to let him pass victoriously through these seasons. There were a few times, even pastoring this wonderful church group of folk that I'd go to the office and say thank God we have somehow made it this far along uh, when I first came to Cincinnati a sweet saint said to me I'll give you at least three weeks and I thought do I look that bad <laughs> do I look that incapable I'll give, you, I'll give you a good three months, and you out of here. And finally, I said, okay, God, I'm, whatever you want to do, I will come and be the plowman, okay? 
And, and so there were times where wonderful things happened. And I walk in the office and say, yes, thank God. This is it. And God said, no, it ain't, but it's fair. It's, it's on its way. A few years down the road, one happens, and the church has come to you. Surely you're interested. He said, that's a good start. It's a good, but if you're trying to impress me, there's a boy in the field. <laughs> Seven seasons passing. Seven times passing. Seven situations. And if you look on your life calendar, you'll find them. If you look on the regional calendar, you'll find them. Seven seasons passing. But at the seventh season, when it looks like Jesse has presented everything that he can, God says, do you have anything else? Now, I like the way it's worded here in the Scripture because Samuel says, is this all you got? Can you imagine? Like we put our best effort into it. Choir, best preachers, and God says, okay, is that all you got? Is that, is that what you're going to call good enough? You're going you're to trade that for the unseen and what I'm fixing to do? You're you going to call that good enough? Hello? I know church folk that do that all the time because they have made traditions their God instead of the God that gave them their traditions. I, I know people, movements, that have missed works of God because they count more of themselves and they won't mesh with people. Oh, let's meddle for just a moment. Because they feel like, oh, there definitely needs to be change and agreement coming together. So I'm going to need you to come my way. For unity's sake. I'm going to need you to make me comfortable. For unity's sake, of course. And I'm all in. But just make sure you do everything I need to make me comfortable. And God says, no. That one ain't it. Suddenly we get stretched beyond ourselves. Suddenly we say, I don't care what they think. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much it costs. I, I have come to realize this isn't about me. But there's a boy in the field. There's something. There's something that God wants to do. And in the wordage, the prophet says, you go get him, for we will not rest until he gets here. Why does he use we? He's speaking now on behalf of the courts of the king. And he's saying in plain English, you go get him, because God is not comfortable or ready to do anything else until we get to the boy in the field. You go get the field. You go to the boy in the field. We're not satisfied until all of these efforts have converged together and you have moved past all of your trying to impress me into let's just let go of the wheel and let's let God be God and let's let him show us. Somebody ready for this season? Seven seasons. Seven personalities, seven abilities. But then there's the number eight. Okay. 
Now, according to biblical numerics, you know, you study those every morning. The number eight has to do with what cannot be accomplished in the human dimension, but is completely left to God. It has to do with resurrection or life from seeming death and impossibility. So God says, seven, we can call it good here, and say, wow, haven't we done a thing? But God says, but don't you want me to resurrect something? But, but don't you want me to do something that would blow your mind? Go get the boy. I don't know who went to get the boy, but I have an idea because it's a major piece of property that Jesse sent all of his sons. You look in this corner. You look in that corner. You look over here. You go back yonder. You do whatever you've got to do. But one of y'all get that boy here because God is not satisfied with what we've got and what we've got's good. But whatever it is he wants to trade us for, it's something. Go get the boy in the field. We will not rest. Plain language. We are not satisfied. We are not. Matter of fact, the literal translation from the language into which it is spoken. We are not comfortable until he gets here. I may be comfortable, but if God says he ain't comfortable, I better be troubled. Instead of just calling it good enough. So before you call your lifestyle, hey, I feel good about the way I'm living. If God ain't good about the way you're living, you better change it. Before you call what you're doing good enough to have church, you better make sure God's comfortable with it. You better make sure God wants to be involved with it. Because anybody can put together a production, but only God can put together a revival. Oh, I wish I could get some church folk just a moment. Well, well, I got just a couple minutes. I'm finna land the plane, but not before. I tell you about the boy in the field. The seventh son's pass. Here comes the eighth. God says, we will not rest. We will not sit down. We are anxious until that moment. See, everything we do is all about the harvest. Four of y'all got that, and the rest of y'all are like, what, really? Everything we do is about bringing in God's harvest. I'm grateful. What a tremendous worship team. Thank you for bringing us into the courts of the king. What a beautiful facility. What awesome people. And God says, but wait a minute. This is about a harvest. This is about the fields and what I'm fixing to do in this region. Oh, God. Ah, Pastor Sidemore, we've seen a lot of good stuff happen over the last several years. 
Brother Kendall, sister, we have seen some awesome things God has done. But God said, hey, don't call that good enough. Because when this boy gets back from the field, I'm going to make a king out of him. And it's going to turn all Israel upside down. And Messiah will be born through that line. I wish I could get somebody to shout unto God and thank him for the boy in the field. Go get him. When they see old David coming, and his countenance like he's a handsome little fella. But God said, handsome doesn't mean nothing to me. Not until we get the oil on him. Not until, if he will let the anointing flow, you watch what I can do in Israel. If he will let the anointing flow, I ain't impressed by all what you can read. and I ain't impressed by all of your collegiate identity. But get me a boy from the field. Get me somebody. David, while he was left alone, while they were all parading before Samuel, saying, look what I got and look who I am. David's out there talking to him playing on a harp and getting songs from God. He was just getting, I wish I could get a worshiper that said, I've been practicing a long time for this moment right here. I'm the boy in the field. You're the boy in the field. I'm the one you've been waiting for. This is the church you've been waiting for. Oh, I wish I could get somebody just a few moments. Let's just thank the Lord. There's a king waiting to be born out there. Oh, there's a church. Y'all have not seen the church that God is fixing to levy on this region. One translation says, God said, I'm not comfortable or I am anxious about this. Hurry up and get him. Takes me a half an hour to try to bring a thought out. God says, I can get it done for you in one minute. He says, say it like this, David. I've been waiting for this moment. All to call, one and done. I've been anxious for this. Everything we've been through. Everything we've given. Everything we've offered. Everything that it has cost. Every good time, every not so good time. There's a boy in the field. Go get him. Let him come. Let him be about the harvest. Let his mind say, who's the boy? You're the boy. This church is the boy. Let him be about the harvest. And when I see him coming, I'm going to pour the oil on him. And the Bible said from that very moment, he was king of Israel. When the anointing tower, y'all hearing me right now, we may not be what we're getting ready to be. But as far as God's concerned, if he could get you to come out from where you are and focus on what he's doing, as far as he's concerned, it starts right now. David, he's the fellow that restored the ark to Jerusalem. David, he's the fellow that built a house that was beyond any house. 
And its focus was worship and the courts of God. David, through that line, would come Jehovah God Almighty, taking upon the earthly flesh. Through David's line would come Jesus of Nazareth, Mary's little boy, our supreme sacrifice, our resurrected one, our everlasting. Through David, God says, that's why I was waiting. That's why I didn't want you to get satisfied with where you were because y'all didn't know that what I was getting ready to do was so far beyond you and so far beyond this moment. David, that king, restored the house of Israel, brought the ark of God into its rightful place and created a template for supernatural awakening. That template fits perfectly what God is doing in our lives and in this church right now. Go get the boy. So God, if what I've been doing, if what I've been thinking, if I've allowed myself to get offended or absorb compliments that didn't belong to me, whatever it is, God, thank you and help me to look beyond this and be the boy in the field. Help me as a church. Help me as a people. Give me the uh, tenacity enough, the audacity enough, or how you say, the guts enough to become what you need me to be and not what I would like to be. That's what I'd like to be, what he needs me to be. Can you feel it? Ah, oh, you can feel it. I think the boy just got here. Oh, God. Oh, God. You can feel it. So why you been out there hiding? Why you been out there struggling? God said, I've been waiting on you. I, I've been waiting for today. I want to anoint you with fresh oil. I want to make you something nobody else could do before this time. I want to make that happen right now. Anybody want to go? I'm okay to wait right here for just a moment because the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is, is working. So why don't you just lift your hands to him?
You just say, God, I'm that boy. until he comes. Go get her. We will not rest until she comes. Go get him. So we can move into next season so I can birth kings so that I can do what I've planned to do in Israel. Go get him. So I'm going to open the altar right now. You can hear the voice of God. Move into position, son. Move into position, daughter. For we will not rest until we get here. We will not rest until That's all right. That's all right. Move out from your seat. If you feel comfortable, come on in the altar area. When you get here, just hold your hand up and say like the prophet did. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. God's looking for somebody that's about his business, about his kingdom. What God is preparing to do in this church corporately will cause the finances that all both have raised together over 50 years to pale in comparison. What God is preparing to do through this church will cause all statistics, growth statistics, conversion statistics, outreach statistics to far compare, fail in comparison to what he will do in this season. Go get the boy. There will be prophets. There will be preachers. There will be teachers. There will be pastors. There will be intercessors that will systematically change this entire region. Go get the boy. You're feeling it right now as quickly as you can. Get a hold of somebody and start praying with them. Start praying with them and let's let the Holy Ghost take over here. Somebody else. There you go. Here comes the all. Here comes the anointing. Jesus.
There is something very special that the Lord is doing in this moment. And some of y'all trying to figure out the seasons of your personal life or that have fallen on the world over the last few years or of the church kind of waiting out on the periphery. God said, come on. You've hung out on the edges long enough. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting. And watch what the Lord will do. So if there ever were a time to hurry and find a place of commitment with God and find a place to serve and a place to join together, let go of yourself and become what he was doing. If there ever were a time, now is that time. God said, get them, get them. I want to anoint them. So don't wait. I'm telling somebody right now, you've been hanging on the edge. Don't wait. You're fixing to miss it. One more time. Every voice lifted, every hand lifted as they continue to worship the Lord. Come on, loved one. Come on, somebody. You've been away too long. 